This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello and welcome to Dojo Live this Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. My name is Kim Lantis. Joining me, as per the usual, is my co-host, America Guerrero. Hello. Hey. And of course, the guest of honor, the most important person today is Ben Cahoon, CEO of TechSite. Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really cool conversation as we were kind of doing our prep pre-show. I'm really excited about this one. We're talking about real-world AI-based digital diagnostic solutions. Now, I know that's quite a mouthful, but we're really excited because this has applications for humans, veterinary applications for our pets and, you know, fur babies, uh, as well as environmental impacts. So, but before we dive into that, um, Ben, we'd like to get to know you and your story a bit. You know, what's your your story, your passion, and what's led up to TechSite? Awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. So I, um, I am a serial entrepreneur at heart, and I started off uh, in school as a computer scientist. So I got a computer science degree and got the super cool opportunity to work for Intel for about eight years. And that was an amazing opportunity because Intel in, you know, back in the mid nineties was just a rapidly growing, really well-run company. And so I got the opportunity to learn a lot from that experience. But after Intel, I, I left and have been entrepreneurial ever since. And so that first experience with Intel was in IT software. And then I helped build uh, a friend, build an educational software company that we eventually sold to Lenovo. And I took my family over to Luxembourg and we, and we were part of a FinTech uh, uh, startup in Luxembourg about, most people don't know this, but about 10% of all the world's money is in Luxembourg. So that was a, a fun experience. Yeah. And then <laughs> I did not know that. I'm back. one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> and then we came back and I was introduced to the group here at TechSite where, um, you know, I, I just feel super privileged to be a part of this company because it, to be able to do software, which is a passion, um, and have it be at the intersection of the internet and, um, and AI and, you know, these new scanners that we'll talk about, to have that all come together and to be doing good for people, pets, and the environment is just a super big privilege that I've, I've just thoroughly enjoyed. That's really cool. It's like this giant mashup of everything, software, internet, hardware, and then impacting the areas of what's usually most important, right, to, to all of us, for sure. I love it. Correct. Uh, so what is TechSite doing exactly? What's the problem that you're solving? Sure. So when you, when you go to the doctor or your pet goes to the vet, generally what happens is they're going to take some sort of sample from you to do, to figure out what's wrong, right? To, to, to figure out a diagnosis. And when they take that sample, let's take a, a, a blood sample, that vial of blood, or we do a lot of in fecal as well, like the, uh, a fecal vial, that's going to eventually find its way to the lab, eventually get to a technician who is going to create a slide, uh, not in every case, but in most cases that we deal with, that they're going to create a slide. And then they're going to sit on the microscope and look on that slide with all the expertise that they have to try to figure out what's wrong. 
For example, in a, in a fecal smear, you're looking for parasites. In a blood smear, you're looking for uh, infection or even potentially cancer. They're, they're counting and classifying cells. So the people that are doing that, the medical technicians or the vet technicians, they have to be very, very knowledgeable. But looking and, and looking through that microscope day after day after day is a very tedious job. And so over the years, less and less people are going into microscopy. They're going into things like genetics and um, you know, other disciplines. And so the world as a whole has a big, huge labor shortage in environmental labs, veterinary labs, and human labs in microscopy-based situations. So we help those labs with their labor um, issues by making their techs more efficient and in addition to helping them be more efficient, they're looking in a, at a nice big computer screen instead of a microscope and the AI helps them find the things faster. So we are all about efficiency and accuracy. And we do that by digitizing those slides, sending them up to a SaaS based or a cloud-based solution, which analyzes them using AI and then puts that AI into a workflow that helps that tech be really efficient at getting the right diagnosis. Wow, that's that's spectacular. And I'm already thinking in my mind, too, in terms of reach, if we're talking about, you know, um, developing countries, third world countries that might not even have even more of a shortage, right, in this type of specialist, what that could mean, I think, in the future. This is correct. Yeah, as you look outside um, of the United States, we are super lucky to have a high number of really qualified people and pathologists that do this. When you look, you know, to developing countries, it is, it's a big challenge. So when we put the knowledge of a med tech or a pathologist into an algorithm, that then makes that available to other people. And so the pathologist and the techs can do more. Uh, For example, the type of efficiency gains that we're getting, generally a test like this takes between five to six minutes on the top end, maybe 15 minutes. And we get that down to 15 to 30 seconds. So you can imagine they can do more and be more accurate and do that from literally anywhere in the world. Zoetis is a, is a pharma reference lab and diagnostic company uh, in the vet space that we're partnered with. And they've taken that platform, uh, the joint platform that we developed called VetScan Imagist. And that is deployed throughout the world. And literally anywhere throughout the world, you can get a sample initially analyzed by AI. And if there is an AI for it, you can even get it back to a clinical pathologist where they can read it and get your report within about an hour and a half. So anywhere in the world, someone can get a board certified clinical pathologist uh, that can get the right diagnosis for, um, in this case, for your pet. And we'll be taking that same technology over to the human side as well. That's fantastic. And, you know, pre-show, we were actually talking about my pet, one of my dogs who had passed away. um, He hadn't been diagnosed in time. He actually was infected by something which I found out was called valley fever. It's I'm probably going to screw this up. The the name of this, it's a fungus or a mold. It's called coxidiodomo. Forget it. Valley fever. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is this, um, this particular, uh, uh, infection is only found where I live in the northern part of Mexico in the state of Sonora and southern Arizona and then parts of southern California. So 
what the reason why I'm bringing this up is not just because of the misdiagnosis or how long it took, but let, it can go dormant for a really long time. And then let's just pretend uh, my family moves and we're going to go live in Baltimore, Maryland. So the likelihood that this particular vet that I might take him to when things start showing up is even looking for this type of fungus is slim to none. Or if we're traveling, like we travel, we get sick, we come home. Like, how does this, how does this open up the world of possibilities of like, wow, I'm seeing something that I'd never even heard of before in terms of a, you know, a pathology. Yeah. It, you realize you sort of take for granted when you take that blood or that fecal sample or urine or whatever it is, you sort of take it for granted that you're going to get the right diagnosis. And, you know, this type of technology has the ability to improve the ability to get the right diagnosis. Uh, just to give you an idea of, you know, the title of this discussion was sort of real world applications. We've done with Zoetis and, and their vets throughout the world, we've done over 2 million um, diagnoses, whether that's on dermatology samples, fecal samples, blood samples. We've been able to help, you know, that many pets get the right diagnosis and, and, and you know, get healthy. I love that. Now let's talk about pets. You earlier were saying this idea of why do we start there? Like with the environmental side, the pet side, and then move over to people. Sure. So from a corporate strategy perspective, we realized that the, the human market is a, is a, it's a massive market, right? But the hard thing about the human market is there's a pretty high regulatory burden, which makes sense, right? You don't, we won't, don't want to do anything that would negatively impact human health. We just want to improve it. So from a corporate perspective, we decided to go after environmental mold testing and, vet, and the veterinary space because the regulation and the regulatory burden is much less. So we can get um, peer-reviewed journal articles written and still do a very good job at getting to the veterinary environmental space, but then take that and over time, eventually get it to the human space. So that's what we've done. We've got an environmental mold test. So if you suspect mold in your home, we can get you a test that actually gives you the pictures of the mold spores that are in your house. We also do things like pollen and particulate. Uh, in the veterinary space, it's blood, fecal, mm -hmm. uh, any type of clinical pathology, dermatology. And that success that we've had there has allowed us to um, develop tests for the human market. And in the human market, we have tests for uh, a blood test, a fecal test, um, pap smears, um, bladder cancer, bacteriology. So, and, and there's about 300 microscopy-based tests that we'll be working on, you know, over, I'm sure this is a, a decades-long effort that we'll be uh, involved in. And in the human market, how expensive is this for an individual? Because I'm thinking that if I want to get fa uh, results faster, this is going to be expensive if I go to another clinic that it will take maybe a day or two or maybe a week to get the results. How, it's not the word sustainable. Uh, what is the word in, in English, Kim? Uh, Economical? Exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's the great thing about this technology. If you, if you look at a lab test, I mean, in some cases, the, the reagent or the stain or the process can, can be expensive. But generally, the biggest cost in a test is that really important human that's involved that has all that expertise 
and the time that it takes them to, to do the test. So we can help lower the costs of those tests by shortening the time that a person is actually interacting um, you know, with your sample. By digitizing it and having the AI work on it, the AI can be much can can work on it in a much cheaper and sort of off hours and then just present the the proposed diagnosis to the human and then the human confirms it. So by by reducing the time that the human has to spend on it, you're reducing cost and through that whole process by using computers are really good at looking at every single pixel, right? They don't get tired, they just do the same thing over and over again. And then you use the the best parts about the human, which all of the data associations that we just naturally do when you're an expert, you combine those and we get really good efficiency gains and accuracy gains, which then can drive down the cost of tests and, and improve the turnaround time. So you reduce the cost. And I'm wondering, do you also reduce the amount of blood, for example, uh, with this test? I'm thinking that maybe in the future it will be possible to just give a drop of, blo of my blood so I can have a lot of information. But for now, it's like a tube, right? Like this. Is yeah. that also less invasive? Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, no. So we're not, we're not, um, there have been some you know, pretty famous companies that promised everything from a drop of blood that it didn't go so well. We are using standard industry techniques. So you still need to get, in the case of a blood smear, you need to get a vial of blood because you need enough blood to do a, a good smear on a slide. And then um, with fecal, we're, again, we're using all of the tr um, proven tried techniques that have been proven over decades to create the slides. And then the only process that's different is we digitize them using a whole slide scanner, which then that can go to the cloud uh, where it's analyzed. And at the end of the day, one of the really cool benefits of this is you get to see the pictures of your blood, your, the parasites that were in you, right? Um, you know, in, in the case of a pap smear, let's say you, you did have cancer, you would be able to see the actual cells. And there's something that's um, almost comforting about that to see this was, this is what was actually making me sick or, or, you know, this was my diagnosis and you can actually see it. Yeah, like uh, the before and afters that are so popular these days. Although I kind of in the am in the camp, ignorance is bliss still. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this in terms of the AI image analysis. Let's go a bit in depth um, in terms of like the software, the hardware that you're using. How? What's the story? How long did it take to actually get to the level of accuracy you are now and the tech that's used to do this? Sure. So we started in 20, about 2013, early 2014, it was two people. Um, Rick Smith, he was a computer scientist, had an MBA. He was hired by a successful entrepreneur here in Utah. And they basically got to a prototype for blood um, processing a blood smear. And when I came back from Luxembourg and met Rick and Ralph and, and that group, I, I knew immediately that I wanted to work on this, uh, on this company. And so I invested, um, I brought some others that also invested and were engineers. So we basically doubled the size, uh, you know, two and a half size, the company, and we started down this path. And the first thing we did was we re rewrote everything. So we took that initial technology, we rewrote it in sort of a more modern um, architecture and, and really started getting into the AI. And as an investor and as the, you know, as someone who just cared deeply about this company, there were some actually pretty dark days. It was 
you couldn't just go read a book and say, this is how to do this. We were doing things that had never been done before. And so, you know, we eventually, after knocking our head against the wall many, many times and failing a lot, we were eventually figured out processes to teach the computer, you know, teach the AI how to recognize these really, really small things. And, and once we started getting some good results, then we, we started thinking, yeah, we've actually got something here. And it took, you know, it took three or four years really to get to that point. So there was, there were some dark days there in the, in the beginning, but we knew that it was possible. We kept at it. And eventually it became obvious that we need to, to create a platform that could do multiple tests that we could combine AI plus workflow because a, a human has got to interact with it. So you've got to, you got to create a, a really easy user experience that allows the tech to see the results of the AI to quickly confirm those results and then get those results out to a, what they call a lab information system. So at the end of the day, the goal is to produce a report that a doctor or a human is going to read that includes those images, the counts, the percentages. And so that whole workflow and everything that all came together. And I think in, you know, I came in 2016 by 20 late 2018, we had uh, signed a deal with Zoetis. And then by 2020, we delivered our, our first product during the midst of the pandemic. And, and then it's just been a, you know, a rocket ship ever since. That's fantastic. What does it look like? What, what do you need to get started with TechSite? Sure. So you, you need a sample, obviously. So we use the, you know, as I mentioned before, industry best standard techniques to create. It's called sample prep, right? Create a slide. Once you have a slide, you put it onto what they call a whole slide scanner. And a whole slide scanner basically digitizes. You think of it sort of like a document scanner, but at a microscopic level. And this is proprietary so tech of yours, or this is no, provided by no, a provider? we're using. Yeah, these are these are hardware vendors that are okay. um, available. They're literally throughout the world. You've got one out of Hungary, one out of Japan, a couple out of China, um, one out of Finland. So these hardware manufacturers create a scanner, and some are really good at you know one slide. Um, some are really good. You can hold up to a thousand slides. So it really wow. you match you know the scanner with the volume of your lab or your clinic. So in the in the case of the vet space, we use a, a company called Grundium. They're a Finnish company. They actually were the key engineers on the Nokia phones. So they they took that. They have got a an eight inch by eight inch scanner. So it's a very very small footprint to fit in a small lab or clinic at, at a vet. And then they take that slide. You put it on the scanner. They go to our software in the web. We're a web based solution. They press okay. scan. And after they press scan, it automatically scans it. Automatically uploads it to the cloud automatically analyzes it, and then we present the results for them to confirm. Is there a demo for university students so they can start familiar familiarizing? Is that the working? Familiar familiarizing. Familiarizing. I'm just trying to say my cross I can't say that one either. Yeah, these are hard words. Yes, but there is. So we have an educational portion of the software because to when you do ai you need to you take thousands and tens of thousands of images even up to hundreds of thousands of images and you put those into the ai convolutional neural network it's called the cnn 
And because we're generating that many, we have to scan that many images and annotate that many images, we have some of the biggest databases of images of these sample types in the world. So we've created an educational piece so that med techs and, and students can learn how to you know, identify a giardia or an entamoeba or you know, a, a white blood cell like a basophil. Or, so it, we have lots of images that then we can help teach students how to, how to recognize them. I love that component in terms of, you know, not hoarding what's yours. I think that speaks really highly of, you know, your company culture and the industry that you're in in general, right? That this is literally life-saving knowledge that um, needs to and must right, be, be shared. You had mentioned being web-based. Is there any, you know, projection or moving forward ideas of doing anything that's, um, you know, mobile-based in terms of how to deliver results to... Uh, you know, the, the patients quicker or to easier communicate from one hospital to the next or clinic to the next, like, is there a feature in that? Yeah, because, because it is web-based, really, it, it, it'll work on a mobile device out of the gate. Now, we do have a, a point-of-care mobile device that works on a cell phone. So it basically takes a picture of a card and can get your COVID antibody agglutination levels. And we're also doing blood typing. So that, you know, the world is going mobile and it's, and we're, we're, you know, going right there along with it. I, I like what you did say about not saving this technology. One thing that just happened, there's a big trade show in the United States called US CAP. And at US CAP this year, we announced a relationship with um, Mayo Clinic. And we are basically the prefer, preferred provider for the it Mayo, for Mayo true. Clinic. Yeah, thank you. It, it was a, it, it is a big deal. And we're super proud of the collaboration. Basically, what we'll do with them is develop new tests. So if you can imagine Mayo, they have people coming throughout the world. So they've got lots of data and they have doctors and med techs that are experts in their field. So we, we take that data and expertise, we work with them collaboratively and create algorithms and workflows that then we can take to the world. Wow. And, and the, the goal is to share that. That's amazing. So I'm guessing that for some features, for some processes, you need to have internet. Is What happens if there is no internet in that area that day? Because so you're still we, working? Uh -huh. Yeah, we, we can't work, right? So we do. That's one of the... So if a lot of my career has been with traditional software where you install, right? You use a CD or you download something and you install it on a the what? computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I'm dated myself there. But so the world has really gone to SaaS-based solutions where the internet is required. And there are so many benefits to always having the latest thing, uh, you know, the latest version of the software available. So internet is required. Now, eventually these scanners and our software can work off of like a 5G connection. So if, if you were in Africa and could get a 5G connection, you would be able to use these types of solutions um, very, very well. All right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an, an entirely new topic, right? Of how we can get the entire world of uh, their internet, which is also very necessary, right? Um, so I wanted to bring it back. You were, we cannot believe we're already at the final minutes of today's conversation. 
But I wanted to bring it back to TechSite, the company that you're building. Uh, as we go, go more global, as your reach is more and more global, you're working with global providers and you know, different hospitals and clinics. What has this been like in terms of your culture, perhaps remote work? What, what does that look like? Yeah. So TechSite is a very unique place to work because we we're building great software, right? We're all passionate about software and we're, we're impacting people, pets, and the environment, which is important to all of us, right? To be doing something good, but we're also doing that in a very unique way. We have chosen to adopt GitLab's remote manifesto. And so everyone at TechSite is a remote worker. So we don't commute, we're with our families and we have changed our values, our culture, the way we communicate, um, so that we, we can really get the best people wherever they are in the world. So we have a good group of people in, in Luxembourg and those surrounding company countries. And we've got, you know, a core set of people here in Utah, but we have people in multiple countries in a, over 22 States. And, and it, because everyone is remote, no one is a disadvantage. I think hybrid environments are really difficult because some people, you've got a core of people and everyone else feels a little outside of that group. At TechSite, everyone is remote and we've been able to um, rapidly grow the company because of things like an online handbook. This isn't like an employee handbook that you read. This is, a, there are literally, our team members are making changes hundreds of changes every single day. It becomes our organiza organizational brain. So we feel like we're building something that's gonna live on beyond all of us and, and a culture and a company that will continue innovating into the future. Well, I'm curious how you manage the workshops if you have the hardware, is that also remote or every employee has the hardware in their houses or how does it work in terms yeah, of coordinating? Yeah, we've had to get really creative on that. So we do have two very, very small labs, one in Luxembourg and one in Orem, Utah. And in those labs, we've set up remote switch bots so you can turn the scanners off and on. We um, have cameras set up so you can see what's actually happening on that scanner. And then we do have a person. So there are a couple people that go in and we're like, we'll change the slides out and do things like that. But pretty much... Besides those couple people that work in those labs, everyone else using the scanners and using those equipment is doing it remotely. That's incredible and, and quite innovative and very thinking outside of the box, I think. And incredible that that technology even exists. I think as, as you know, CEO or with your leadership, I hear that you're utilizing so many different partners, so many different providers. What's your tips in that and determining who it is that you want to be working with the technology and individuals that are going to actually help you become who you want to be? Yeah, it, it's a great question. We feel that partnering is at our core. It's core of who we are as, as people, as team members. This is a... The problems that we're trying to solve are massive and it's going to take hard coordination with hardware. It's going to take coordination with software. It's going to take experts like at, at Mayo um, and Zoetis who have very, very specific expertise that we as techies would, you know, we didn't go to school to be doctors or, or med techs or vet techs or bold techs, right? So 
we, we know that we cannot do this alone. And so partnering has to just be core to who we are. When we go into a new market, we look at all the potential partners and we try to choose the best and, and the best that would fit culturally with our group. And then we, we make them happy. We have um, like with Zoetis and Mayo, we have a Zoetis satisfaction score. So each week we're asking our partner, how satisfied are you with TechSite and how we're you know, interacting with you? So we, we, we believe in treating people right and you know, karma is real and we try to put good out to the world and, and hopefully it comes back. I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. So we do have two, count them two minutes before we need to say goodbye, Ben. And so with that, I would like to ask you maybe your final words of wisdom in terms of your experiences, your do's and don'ts as a, a leader of a tech company. What have you found that works really well for you and maybe a mistake that you made that you would say, don't, don't do this, learn from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in my career, it really is all about people, right? And the only, I think, really big mistake that I, I, I ever made is I sort of short, shortcut a process on due diligence on the people side. And, and once, you've, once you've made that mistake, you never want to make it again. So we have a pretty rigorous um, interviewing and recruiting process where, where we really try to vet and understand the people that we're going to be working with because at the end of the day, right, we're, we are working as a team to do really hard things. And to do that, you, there's got to be a high level of trust and a culture that, um, that puts that all together. So I, I love uh, in business school, I, we did a, a case study on Southwest. And if you look at Southwest airlines, it's amazing to me how they've aligned their their people and how they treat their people with their strategy of low cost, you know, the same airplanes, all, all of the things that they put together to get an aligned strategy, I think is pretty impressive. And that's that's our goal here at TechSite is to figure out how to create a well, um, an autonomous team that can that can work well in a line structure or strategy to make a difference in the world. And, and if you can accomplish that and, you know, do that across a, a growing team, boy, it's hard. And I think you accomplish something pretty, pretty cool. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do it here at TechSite. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your story, the TechSite story with us. Thank you for everything that you're doing to impact not only people, but our, our pets and of course the homes environments and where we live as well. Uh, stick around for just a nice minute. Meet you and thank you for the yes. opportunity. <laughs> yes, thank you. Stick around for just a minute as we go off air. But before we do, we'd like to let our viewers know what we've got coming up tomorrow. Yay! Tomorrow we're going to have another show. And it's going to be about Grocery 3.0. How is AI ushering in a new era of online grocery adoption and transforming the way retailers interact with customers? The conversation is going to be with two people, Henry Michelson and Gabriel Nipote. They are at Hala. All right, that's right. Join us tomorrow at 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific, as always. Thank you again for now. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.